Patas. 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 Welcome to Fart House, where we watch the artsiest, fartsiest films so that you can pretend that you did. I am one of your hosts, Casey O'Brien, and I'm joined by not only the other host of this program, but a good friend of mine, uh, Patrick Mallon. Patrick, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, Case. I'm trying to think why I'm doing good. I guess I'm just doing good. Today is the Criterion Flash sale. Have uh, you seen that? Yes, I have a tab open with with a cart full of goodies. Um, and I'm what's in the good? What's in the goodies? It's mostly I'm mostly thinking of doing an upgrade situation, which is kind of less oh. exciting to me. Everything I already yeah, own. it's like bringing your car in. Yeah. To get- <laughs> Fixed up. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like routine maintenance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have uh, in my cart right now, I have Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai. Sure. Uh, Rushmore, Royal sure. Chata Bombs, and Stranger Than Paradise. So all of those I own on DVD presently. Um, but I kind of want to get in the blue. I want right to get in the blue. And especially as the, the one that I for sure... I, I, I'm 95% sure I'm going to get is Ghost Dog because the, all the other ones I have the Criterion DVDs. Ghost Dog, I just have this shitty uh, DVD, the first print, whenever that was. Ghost Dog is one of my least favorite Jim Jarmusch films. I would put that in the bottom. I've heard that from folks. I really enjoyed it. I would say my... Well, I've kind of avoided the ones that I didn't think. Like, I've never seen The Limits of Control. Haven't seen that either. And I didn't watch The Dead Don't Die, because I heard not great things about it. Uh, That one's okay. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, I would say Ghost Dog. Yeah, Limits of Control is actually the only Jim Jarmusch movie I have not seen. Yeah, for me it's... Broken Flowers I didn't think was fantastic. Yeah, that's a minor uh, Jarmusch. But uh, very exciting. The only one I, I'm just... I'm, I don't own Blue Velvet, and I want to get the Blue Velvet mm. Criterion. I think I might purchase that. I think that's well worth it. I just love that damn movie so much. I know. It's um, so good. But Patrick, I am a little upset about the Bachelor situation. Oh, there's a lot to be upset about. What in particular are you thinking about? Well, I'm in a Bachelor pool with my family and my wife mm. and cousins and stuff where we actually put money in. Oh, yes, and yes, yes. My the woman I chose to win went home last night, Serena P. Oh, I love Serena P. I do, too. And she actually dumped The Bachelor, which I always <laughs> get a little uh, a little satisfaction out of. <laughs> she was too good for him. Getting... Yeah, she was. Um, and she told him, I don't think you're my person, which is a bit cruel, but I like I like that she was concise and clear with him. I think she could be the next Bachelorette. I love her. I think she's great, and I'm sad to see her go, and I'm sad that I just watched that, you know, whatever 50 bucks that I would <laughs> have won. Was it a $50 buy-in? No, it's a $5 uh, buy-in, uh, but uh, we have so like have 10 50. people. Oh, cool. Ten, over 10 people in uh, it, so I would have won 50 bucks. Is anyone uh, kind of, sh- like, is there still tension, conflict? Like, is it anyone's game or is someone... It's a lot of people's game because okay. a lot of people picked Brie mm. and a lot of people picked Michelle. Mm. And I'm yeah, from How Minnesota, did you handle so- the additional, how did that work when you had the infusion in like week three or four? We pushed back our, because my mom usually, my mom is very organized with this stuff. Mm. She, we submit our like winners. We do the, who we think is going to win and who we think is going to be in the top four. Okay. And so we submitted that. We usually submit that after a certain amount of rose ceremonies. But after the infusion, I think we even pushed it back farther. Is this a family only thing or could I join this next iteration? You could join it next year. It's some of my mom's friends too. I'd be happy to invite you. I would love that. I actually have a huge bone to pick with my cousin Joe because he's in this um, fantasy baseball league 
that I've been desperate to get into for like 10 years. And uh, the commissioner of that league is adamant about the fact that it's only alumni from the college they went to, University really of the stupid. South, Swanee. And so, and, and I guess in Joe's defense, he has advocated for me before, but I guess there's some people in the league who just don't do a fucking thing, who literally will pay, I think the buy-in's like 50 bucks, maybe even more. And there's people in the league that just don't do anything. And I would be a very engaged member of that league and... I'm not in it. It's very frustrating. They need to let the dorks who actually want to do that sort of thing in, mm-hmm. like you. And uh, and I'm not a random person. Like, I'm, I'm, there's some connection there. Like, there's a connection. It's it's not totally random. Like, I'm. Well, maybe maybe you can submit this podcast as evidence that you really want to be in it for the right reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. So, but but Trisha, my wife, picked Rachel, who got in trouble for some racist posts. Ooh, that but was smarter, Trisha, like she, to pick though. <laughs> It looks like she's going to win. And Trisha has won, I think, at least once before. She might have won twice before. Trisha has won before, so I'm a little annoyed about that. (laughs) Anyways, Patrick, do we have a sponsor this episode? We sure do. I know we do. Guess who it is? Tell me. Should I do do the guessing game or should I just tell you? (laughs) I mean, I know who it is. I know, but do you want to like fake fake say, fake guess? No, I don't. Okay. It's uh, your brother, Brady O'Brien. Yay! Brady, who I have met and love very much, he's a good dude. Um, yes, he hails from Minnesota, as do you. Yes. Um, one thing I was going to ask you about with Brady is what's his middle name? Thomas. Thomas. So Brady Thomas O'Brien is sponsoring this week's episode, and his stipulation: he met the twenty-five dollar tier of drink prescription. And uh, Brady wanted us to do Edward Forty Hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edward Forty Hands is not really conducive to what we're doing. We're working right now. Can you explain what Eddie F- Edward Forty Hands is? Patrick, I've never actually our... done it before, but I, my understanding is it's where you tape forties to each of your hands, mm-hmm. and then you can't get them off until you drink both forties. Yes, I guess that's the. Have you done Edward Forty Hands? Before? No, I haven't. Do you think Brady I has? If I... I wonder. I don't know if I actually could. That's just so much liquid. Mm-hmm. Not just the alcohol content, but that's so much liquid in one's body. And how do you go to the bathroom if, if you have the uh, if you have the forty hands? I don't Maybe know. you have to drink one really quickly so you can have your free hand to mm-hmm. go to the bathroom. But I wonder if they then... keep the empty one affixed to your hand oh. until both are emptied. Uh, fraternity and sorority life is a stain on uh, America and our universities. Uh, but we're both drinking... Well, I'm drinking an actual 40, and Ugh. you have <laughs> mathematics. So you, you could only find a 32. Yeah. So I have a... Luckily, so we both got Miller High Lifes, because we love Miller High Life. Yes. And luckily, I had already had a handful of Miller High Lifes left. So I have a 32-ounce Miller High Life. I have a funnel... And then I have a 12-ounce Miller High Life that I'll dump in once this is about halfway done. You don't have to dump it. Why are you going to dump it in? You could just drink the beer afterwards. I mean, I I find that I don't. I don't know why. It made sense for the the second that I grabbed the funnel, but now that you're mentioning it, it doesn't really make sense. (laughs) What's that funnel used for besides this odd little routine you're doing? Usually it's for like when I do my little like syrups for a cocktail, like a little honey oh, syrup okay. or cinnamon syrup or right so now it's I have not a nice like, vanilla syrup. It's not like pouring Drano down the drain. <laughs> no. 
Okay. <laughs> no, it's a food food funnel. Okay, that's good. Well, Brady, thank you so much yeah, for sponsoring you, Brady. the show. Brady's a great listener. He texts me about the show almost like every Tuesday that it drops. He's got some comment about it, and I love it. Um, my other brother, today? Shane, has done that before, too, but I haven't gotten one of those texts in a little while. <laughs> and Shane hasn't sponsored the show, to my knowledge, yet, so... Shane, I don't know where you land in the brother rankings right now. That's so. okay. My brothers haven't sponsored yet either. Do they listen to the show? My brothers at least listen. To Tommy show. listens. Um, I'm asking right now. Or what should we do to see if Jeff's listening? What should we say? Some code word. Like Jeff, if you uh, listen to the show, say Nobu or something. Nobu. Yeah. I was gonna say that we were gonna say that like. Jeffrey's a virgin, and then he has to tell us if that's true or false. Yes, that's true. Jeff, if, if you're listening. If you, he doesn't, uh, uh, you know, uh, t- talk to us about this, and we're just going to assume that he's a sweet virgin boy. He has until <laughs> he has until March 31st to produce proof that he is not a virgin. Yes. And this um, is the only way he'll hear about it, if he listens yes. to the episode. <laughs> Um, well, thank you, Brady. If anyone wants to sponsor the show, you can Venmo Patrick, Patrick-Mallon. Uh, it's $10 to sponsor an episode. And if you want to prescribe us a drink like my brother Brady did, where we're drinking 40s uh, for Patrick, he's drinking a 44, I guess. Is that right? 32 plus 12 ounces? Yeah, mm-hmm. 44. 44. Um, but you do, you're more accurate in yours because you have the actual 40. I have the I have, I have more to say 40. about these these text messages about how upset you were about this situation later. <laughs> uh, but yes, so you can prescribe us a drink by venomoing us $25, and uh, we'll drink something of your choosing if you so want. Um, please don't make it, like, gross. We won't do that. But, you know, 40, we were happy to accommodate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that. Um, and, yeah, that's about it. Patrick, no review. We had reviews, Okay for fart house new reviews but no one said that they wanted to give you a nickname mm. and one of the reviews came from someone named big maj <laughs> and i have a feeling that's your mom it is and i want her to give you a nickname well her review was so thorough and so kind it was so a very thank nice you, review i don't know why it was big maj though instead of little maj because usually the reference is little maj so i don't know why I guess to throw folks off of the scent of who she might, who she might yeah, that, be. <laughs> well done. Very discreet. She calls me Little P. You could call me Little oh, P. Oh, Little P. Well, I don't want to speak for her. She has to come. Mm, okay. She has to come forward with a nickname for you. And I always keep forgetting to say the nickname during the episode, so I need to be better about that. Um, Patrick, yes. should we get to our letterboxed rundowns? Yes. Oh, and yes, if anybody wants to leave it, leave us a five-star review, give Patrick a nickname, and I'll call him that during the show. And the five-star reviews really help the show. It helps it, like, so uh, it gets our name out there. And when people come to, like, oh, what is this show? And they see all those five-star reviews, they're like, oh, my gosh, this must be a really good show. So please leave us a five-star review. It really helps this show. Um, Letterboxd Rundown. Patrick, are you ready to go, or would you like me to go first? Mm, I can't remember if, if I watched it. So we we're probably not going to have too much for a little inside baseball for the listeners. Cause no, we recorded our last episode, oh, three or four days ago. Mm-hmm. So, so huge props to Casey for turning that around so quickly. Thank you, sir. It was difficult, so thank you. Um, So I can't remember. Did I mention Role Models the last time? No, you didn't. Okay, so Role Models is the only movie I have watched. Uh, Very good. Seen it before. Um, love it. Julia, um, 
my sweet girlfriend sent that to me uh, when I was sick with the COVID. Um, and then she was visiting and we watched uh, Role Models. I love that movie. Yeah. I saw it in theaters. It's great. I saw it in theaters too. It's hilarious. Um, David Wayne, Paul Rudd. Yeah. Uh, Sean William Scott. Jane Lynch. Uh, um, Jane Lynch. Um, okay. I've only watched two movies, Patrick, since I last spoke to you. Shadow of the Vampire. Have you seen that movie? Yes, Willem with Defoe. Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I thought movie. it was really good. Mm-hmm. What compelled you to watch that? Uh, Trisha wanted to see it, and I've always been interested in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I watched Nomadland. Oh, how was that? It's very good. If you like Terrence Malick, you like this. I was worried it was going to be depressing beyond words mm. and like a total gut punch and it's not it's a joyful gentle film a celebration of life Francis McDormand's really good uh, a lot of people put it as their best movie of last year mm-hmm. so yeah I've heard a lot of hype about it love Francis McDormand my mom was reading the book I don't know if she finished it oh, yet but she was enjoying the really? book mm-hmm. um, it's really good Patrick I highly recommend it cool it's on Hulu right now right Stream yeah it? it's on Hulu Excellent. stream it Okay, that's great. Very good. Let's just wrap up this little uh, letterboxed rundown into a nice, tight little package. We are done here. Okay, Patrick, we host this show. It's called Fart House, and we watch the artsiest, fartsiest film so that others can pretend that they did. I hope that others are utilizing the tool that this podcast serves for them and uh, is like t- trying to sound really smart and yes. annoying in front of other people. <laughs> um, but today, we're talking about one of my favorite directors. I'm going to say it. He's one of my favorite directors. Interesting. And the movie is The Saddest Music in the World by Guy Madden. We will subject it to our proprietary fartsy test, which determines how impenetrable and unapproachable this movie really is. I'm I'm sad to say our February Farthouse Erotica month is over. I know. I'm so bummed. It was a very popular month. <laughs> it was a popular month with Patrick, who was just like, oh, I can't wait to see these naked people in this movie. And I was like, stop texting me this. So I'm, I'm actually a little relieved it's over for that reason. Right. Um, and then Patrick will give it a drink pairing, and we'll give each other notes to improve the show. But Patrick, do you own this movie? And have you seen it before? No. And no. Do you own any Guy Madden films? No. Okay. Have you seen any Guy Madden films? This was the first Guy Madden movie I've seen. Shut up! Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I remember I... seeing, um, we, our next little, we kind of talk about uh, a history of this movie. I remember seeing this the trailers for this movie when I was getting into artsy fartsy movies it's yes. kind of like a recurrent theme of the show like we'll talk about our memories of when our nascent mm-hmm. fartsydom and I remember going <laughs> there's there's this theater um, in San Diego I think it closed it's kind of been opening and closing and fits and starts like over the past like seven or eight years but I think the pandemic finally killed it off oh, it was a landmark theater called the Ken Cinema one of the oldest cinemas in San Diego and you would go there to see all sorts of really neat programming that uh, you wouldn't otherwise see. And I remember seeing the trailer for this movie, The Saddest Music in the World, multiple times um, and just being totally flummoxed by what it what it was what it could or what it could possibly be. be. Like, what era was this from? What was it about? Uh, yeah. Like, is it a straightforward narrative film or some experimental weirdness? Yes. Um yeah. It came out in well. Let's get right into it then, Patrick. You've you've laid down an excellent segue into mm. our next uh, topic here. So thank you for doing that. Fart 
so like I like I said, it was directed by Guy Madden. In 2003, so when you were watching this, you were probably like, what, 14 years old? 14, yeah. Uh, or when I when I saw the trailer, yeah. Confused by the images he was seeing on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's directed by Guy Madden, who is famously from Winnipeg, Canada. And he kind of, he's like Mr. Winnipeg. He like lives there, or he did li- he's lived there for most of his life. All of his movies are shot there. He's like the king of... Canada. Have you and been there? We might have discussed this last. No, time. I haven't no. been there. I really want to go there, though. I want like to do a too. Canadian tour. Also, I kind of feel like connected to Winnipeg because it's not that far from Minneapolis, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a big city. Um, but Guy Madden has directed other movies. Uh, he's probably most famous for this one, the song, the saddest music in the world, but Brand Upon the Brain is also pretty famous. So is My Winnipeg, uh, Cowards Bend the Knee, and another movie named Careful. He's directed a bunch. All of his movies looked look like they were shot in the silent era. They're not silent films, but they look like they are. Mm-hmm. Very German uh, expressionist. White, German expressionist. Not unlike The Cabin of Dr. Caligari, which I feel like this movie drew heavily from. Oh yeah. Um, but even though they look like that, I f- and like they're often set in olden times. They're the concepts and like the what the movies are about don't really feel like old or antiquated. They're very modern, I think, mm-hmm. or timeless. Timeless, at yes. least for for this one. We'll, we'll get into yeah. it. But I'm curious, like some of your takes on, on this one in particular. <clears throat> I have a lot of takes, Patrick. Oh, excellent, the take um, machine. I'm a t- I'm just a take <laughs> machine. Um, Patrick, do you have anything to say before I get into the synopsis of the movie? First impressions? What did you think? It looks like an old timey movie. What's going on? The only thing that I'll say, I mean, we're gonna touch on it gently, maybe aggressively. I remember, you know, when seeing the trailer for this movie, too. Two two things stick out in my memory. As one, the name Isabella Rossellini. Yes. And she was marketed very so she's the queen. star of this Fart House Queen, Isabella Rossellini. And I don't think I had seen her because I don't know if I had seen Blue Velvet yet, which is one of her more she's got a lot of great roles, but Blue Velvet is one of her more iconic ones. Yes. Um so I remember like I remember that name sticking out to me and it, it felt like an art house name I should know. Yes. And then of course, very famously from oh, you know, within our niche, are her are her glass legs filled yes. with beer. Yes. <laughs> so excellent. That should whet the whistles of our listeners as we yes. get into this. Like what's well, that let's about? Let's get let's get into I'm just gonna try to do the simplest synopsis possible because there's a lot of kind of things going on. Mm-hmm. So it takes place in Winnipeg in 1933. It's in the midst of the Great Depression and the US is going through um, what's that called uh, prohibition mm-hmm. but Canada doesn't have that because they're cool and Isabella <laughs> Rossellini plays Lady Helen Port Huntley, the beer baroness of Port Huntley beer in Winnipeg and since it's the depression she and everyone's sad and apparently Winnipeg has been named the the capital like, of sorrow <laughs> the capital of sorrow in the world this this movie is like kind of like a fairy tale fairy tale goofball movie just yeah. to let you know <laughs> and so she holds a, an international contest for all the countries in the world to come and compete in the saddest music in the world competition. We will be hosting a worldwide contest to determine which nation's music truly deserves to be called 
the saddest in the world. Aspiring virtuosos of tearful melody are welcome to travel here and lay claim to the jewel-studded crown of frozen tears and $25,000 in prize money. Let's do an inflation calculator real quick. What do you think $25,000 is? I bet that's $100,000 right now. I bet you it's more. I bet you it's over a million. Do you have an inflation calculator that you can yeah. type this information mm-hmm. into? Uh, we're kind of, I'm closer, but you are closer than what I thought. What did you, you say? I said a million. Well, I said over a million. So that could oh, be okay. anything. What is it? Uh, it's $500,000. Wow. That's a lot. So mm-hmm. basically that's a lot of money yeah. back then. While this is going on... Another one of our characters are the are the Kent family. And Chester Kent, played by the great Mark McKinney of Kids in the Hall, he returns, he's kind of a swindler and douchebag, and he, he wants to get his hands on this money. What is it that you want from me today? I want a crack at that prize money. Oh, ha, ha. <gasps> and how do you intend to do that? By serving up the saddest number you ever heard. I've got schmaltz routines that could wring sobs from a moose. Really? And you'll be representing America, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tears, Ellen. For all those blubbers in the old melting pot. And he's been living in the United States, so he'll be like, he's like, I'm going to compete as America. And his father, who is in love with Lady Helen Port Huntley. Oh, by the way, Lady Helen Port Huntley has no legs. Mm -hmm. And basically, this Kent family is responsible for her losing was her legs. Was she responsible for losing both of them or just the one? Because she, she was missing two, but I know they are responsible. The 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 dad of the the patriarch of the Kent family, basically. What, what Theodore he, Kent. Yeah, so they got into a drunk driving accident. Yeah, so Chester Kent and when Lady Port Huntley were dating years ago, he got he crashed the car and the car pinned her leg and she was like, oh, my leg. And then they're... His father, who is in love with Lady Helen Port Huntley, is drunk and is a do- and he's a doctor and he's like, "I'll cut off the leg that's pinned under the car." And then <laughs> he accidentally cuts off her other leg. Hey, you're cutting the wrong leg. Dad, you threw the phone already. That's her good leg. No, no, look what you made me do. Which I'm already noticing some timeline problems with this. Wouldn't this been before there were automobiles? Presumably. There's a lot of time. Yeah, it's all just, it's all silly and goofy. It's all very trippy. And there's a lot, I, there's a lot more going on. But I think basically all you need to know is that Lady Helen Port Huntley is putting on this competition. Her old flame, Chester Kent, is back in town and he wants to win the competition. There's a whole bunch of other stuff. We don't have to get into it right now. But that's the basic premise of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's very silly. Patrick, did you find this movie sad? <laughs> I, didn't I think... like how they sang in this movie. They would they would sometimes just kind of go like this. <laughs> it was a very lyrical yes. movie in that way. I didn't find it sad, but I don't know if that was... Did you find it sad? I don't know if that was really... No, yeah. I mean, this movie is so silly. And... Like, the issues in it are so hilariously melodramatic. It's like these family-scorned lovers. It's, like, so over-the-top that it's, like, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, And I like that this movie doesn't take itself very seriously. Even though it's saying quite a bit, I feel like. But it's not taking itself too seriously. Right. Did it take you a while to kind of get 
acquainted with who was who. Like, that's my biggest, like, issue with the movie. I mean, I I think we kind of felt a little bit differently about it. Uh, For me, it was just so hard to get acquainted with everything that was going on because of... You're really thrown right into this one. Yeah, you're thrown, like... And I don't know how much of that is... So, for, for our listeners, like, what's really distinctive about this movie is like kind of as we said before like it looks like an old movie and one of the features in particular is that like basically the outer edges of every human figure in the frame is like blurred like their outer edges yeah the outer edge of the frame is blurred like the middle of the image is very in focus but everything outside of it it's it's almost like hard to tell what's going on everything exactly it's so grainy it looks like it was shot on film from like 1933 i mean it kind of looks bad in that way but i find it very interesting because uh i was i'm reading this book by david lynch called uh catching the big fish have you read mm. this yeah my dad got that i i haven't read it before my dad and this is embarrassing to say because i think he got it from for my birthday or for christmas some number of years ago i still still haven't read it um but i would like to read it oh it takes it doesn't take very long well he had this to say about dv quality cameras and how fuzzy they are and, you know, everything is moving toward HD, like crisper, crisper all the time. And with this movie, I'm like, you know what? Maybe crisper isn't, maybe we don't, it's not good to see exactly what's going on all the time because it's very artistically interesting to watch. And this is what David Lynch had to say about HD quality movies. He said, high def, unfortunately, is so crystal clear. I saw a piece of film on the screen in my mixing room shot in high def. It was some kind of science fiction. And in the background, I could see wood screws and what was supposed to be a metal console. It's going to be far more difficult to build sets for high def. And I, I just, I don't know. I found that very interesting, this idea that we're, oh, it's, everything is so obsessed with like the fidelity of the image mm-hmm. or like quality of the image or how intense it is. But uh, and a, a director like Guy Madden is not interested in that at all. No, I'm really glad you brought this up because I think. Thank we you, both, Patrick. Were you, I'm so glad were, you're happy. Were, did, were you? I know you were in theater in high school, but were you kind of making movies on your own in high school too? No, I was much more a theater boy in high school. Okay. I, uh, the technical aspects of film overwhelmed me. They still do, frankly. I hate that stuff. But yeah, you're. I I will say we'll get into a little bit of a, um, what's it called? Uh. What are those sessions called? Where you a jerk, jerk off, off session? Yeah, I'm gonna jerk you cool. off for a second. Yeah. Uh, you're very talented at that stuff, even though you say that you don't like it. You're very talented at well, it. Well, I, I thank you. I appreciate that. It, it was hard for me to learn that stuff, and I don't, I don't luxuriate in it. I don't enjoy that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But what makes me uh, bring that up in particular in response to what you read from David Lynch is I remember um, when I was kind of coming of age, what you would record on was mini DV was like the yes. primary. Uh, method for recording things and I was so frustrated by it because it didn't look like film it was it was video you know it was a type of video like a little bit higher definition than VHS or Betamax and so it was just like it didn't have any of that I don't know if gauzy is the right word is gauzy yeah yeah Uh, yeah, yeah. it it just didn't it didn't look the way that movies I was watching wanted to look so I remember I was always trying to mess around on Final Cut or Avid and trying to put these like filters on and find these plugins and stuff that would give it this like kind of filmer filmier look and it never really worked and it's just yeah i always found that so strange to me too like also what like when you go if you go to best buy or any sort of electronic store 
And they have all the TVs set to that terrible setting, which is colloquially known as, yeah, motion smoothing, colloquially known as the soap opera effect, because it makes images kind of look like uh, it's a soap opera. Yeah, too crisp. And I just don't understand that obsession. I want stuff to look good and I want it to look clear so that you can understand what's going on, which to me, that was my problem. I just could not understand what was going on. Yeah, visually, it's point in this movie. complicated what's going <laughs> on. I mean, we didn't even get to this part because, you know, we were talking about uh, Isabella Rossellini's old flame, Chester Kent, coming back home. Chester Kent's father, Theodore Kent, is also in love. He's the one that chopped off Isabella Rossellini's leg. And he designs these legs for Isabella Rossellini to walk around in because, you know, nothing has worked for her. Fake legs. So mm-hmm. he makes legs out of glass. I've tried to give these to her. Can never find the right moment. My God. And they were made right here in Canada. Now Lady Port Huntley can stand up and dance to the saddest music in the world. I've even filled them with Port Huntley muskeg beer. I don't really have much more to say about that, but I just that's well, an interesting well, part they're, about this. They're utterly impenetrable. I'm with spoiler alert. At the end, we find out they're not utterly impenetrable, but they're impervious to quite a bit of damage. Dancing? They seem she can dance. She, she can, can have kick things. sex. She can, <laughs> she can have Those legs were sex. in the air, Patrick. <laughs> She can the do bubbles. all kinds of things with those legs. And they're just these glass legs filled with beer. <laughs> Patrick, would you want beer legs? And what beer would you have in those legs? <laughs> Could I sip from them or no? Uh, I sure. They, they would go flat pretty quickly, though. With all the dancing and grooving you would do? Yeah, with all the dancing. <laughs> yeah, with all the movement to immediately flatten those beers out. Uh... No, because I feel like she, I mean, she probably could, could she bend her knees? No, they're, they're, yeah, she couldn't, but it seemed that she was able to be, she was pretty mobile with them. Yeah. I mean, she's like, she's doing the, like, the patootsie and she's like doing, uh, like, what, what's, uh, what's the jitterbug and stuff, yeah, you know? Yeah, the jitterbug and stuff. Stuff where I think you would need to bend your knees, but she was able to do it, I guess. Well, to quote... Another Guy Madden movie, Cowards Bend the Knee. So, uh, but beer, what beer would you have in there, Patrick? I don't know. I think for, if that was my situation, and maybe I'm just saying this because it's kind of... So, this movie had a lot of... I know you hate this city, but I had a lot of Milwaukee vibes from this from this movie. I'm all, it's all right. I don't <laughs> and care. I love Milwaukee. Uh, so, I think I think it'd probably be PBR would be oh, in yeah. my legs. Yeah. That would look prettiest. And I I imagine this was in black and white, but I think it was like some sort of Pilsner or lo- mm-hmm. light lager in there. Maybe like a proto Labatt blue. <clears throat> sure, 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 sure. Uh, and what would you have bar- in yours? Grain what belt? What would I have in mine? I think I would have Grain Belt, Minnesota's beer of choice. Lovely. Um, there's a lot of beer in this. Did it make you thirsty? Want a beer while you're watching this? Yeah, it did. I had already had, um, some beer earlier on and I had already switched over to wet room. Red wine. The forties are hitting. <laughs> I know. Um, so I did, I didn't, I didn't switch back, but I was, uh, I just, I loved the kind of jovial atmosphere of yeah. the did this uh, it, it looked like you know one funny thing so basically Casey as you mentioned before is you know it's a contest for it to come up with the saddest music in the world so you have all these musicians and artists from all over the world and, and for it's kind each of round like, they're like pitted against each other it's, <laughs> yeah, like, it's like a one battle royale on the side or of the stage, 
Yeah, the other country on the other side of the stage, and like one starts, and then the other one goes, and then they kind of like are inching towards each other, playing their music at each other. (laughs) And then the winner, which to me, I could see this being what would happen to the loser, but I think this happened to the winner. Yes, the winner. (laughs) Gets dropped into a vat of beer, right? (laughs) They get to slide into a big vat of of beer. And that's the other reason it reminded me of Milwaukee, is Bernie the Brewer, the, the mascot of the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, when the Brewers win and or when they hit a home run, he, slides he, he he doesn't slide into beer, but he goes up in this big slide and he slides down. And it's the most exciting part of the Brewers baseball game. Oh, that's very interesting. Yes, I loved that. It reminded me of like early Nickelodeon, Mark Summers, like what would you do, Double Dare, sliding into the beer this mm-hmm. big bath of beer. We've talked about Chester Kent, who's kind of the devious main character guy. He also has a brother, Roderick Kent, and he has his own sad story. And he's like a professional cellist, and he has entered the competition as a for, Serbian. <laughs> for Serbia, because he's been a cellist over there. There's a lot going on with this movie it's that so, isn't really ostensibly, plot related, but. Ostensibly, they're all those, they're, like the Kents are Canadians, right? Not, yes, they're okay. all Canadians. But Chester is competing on behalf of the U.S. The father, Theodore, sadly, is competing on behalf of Canada. He does a very pathetic job. And then Roderick (laughs) is, since he's been living in Serbia, is competing as Serbia. And he is like an acclaimed cellist and very sensitive. And while he's performing his first round, he like passes out on stage because he's so sensitive. (laughs) And they like, (laughs) I love that he won. And they just take his unconscious body and push him down the slide into the vat of beer. One thing I love about Guy Madden, I mean, I've already kind of mentioned this where he goes against like things looking so crisp, you know, another thing that's like very popular right now that he kind of goes against is like naturalism. I feel like so many people complain about movies like it didn't seem realistic or it's like it doesn't feel real where it's like his movies are so heightened and silly that it's like. This is not real life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, so that was one of my kind of my, like a central tension of mine while I was watching the movie was like, Ooh, I kind of kept saying, I kind of kept saying to myself, this is so unrealistic and this is so ridiculous. And this is why I'm not thoroughly enjoying this. And mm. I think it comes down to. Do you not like, like fun, Patrick? <laughs> well, Do you not for me, enjoy just, joy? I think it comes down to like pure, for, for you and me. A movie like this, I think, might come down to pure aesthetic preferences. And not Hmm. that, like, basically, like, I can dig a movie that doesn't make a lot of sense or that's, um, doesn't seem grounded, that's not natural or grounded in reality in any sort of way. But for me, then it needs to evoke something else. Like, either the image has to make me feel a certain way or the music has to make me feel a certain way. And this movie for me was just so, like, ugly to look at and so hard to. Like just like it was just such a mess of like of stuff on the screen of what was going on. It was like so it was a lot for me to like from a sensory perspective, like handle. There's it a all. lot like even a simple shot of a person, there's like things fluttering in front of their face and behind them. It's like yeah. where what is fucking happening <laughs> on the screen right now? <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of noise. I appreciate the movie like more and more that I think about it and the more that we talk about it, but like in the moment it was just like, the, I, I don't, I couldn't tell you what, what 
what was happening at any given moment of the movie. It was so confusing. I'm glad I watched this twice. I feel like I had a similar experience my first time around when I was a young mm. pup. And but Patrick, <laughs> I haven't looked at your letterboxed review. But if you, I mean, we don't, this is not a critical analysis. This is mm-hmm. just like an aside. But what would you rate this out of five? So here's, I'll tell you kind of, I, I'm going to give it some more time. I haven't posted my review yet. Um, and again, as you said, this is not, this is not germane no. to fart house. This is just two guys. This should be to, stricken from the court, stricken from the fart house records, yes. but keep it on the audio record just so people can know. Sure. I was go. I went from two stars. <gasps> I know to 2.5 and then to three because of how spectacular the ending was. Um, I'm sh- Patrick. I don't know if we if two paths have diverged so extremely. I know. I saw your five star review. <laughs> yes, five stars. I was like, maybe I should put this in my top four on Letterboxd. I was that's thinking how, about that. that. <laughs> it's funny you say that because that's how I felt after watching Heaven's Gate and Phantom of the Paradise. I was so uh, obsessed with those movies. Like I should put those in my top four. I was like, well, let me let me let it marinate a bit. Let's but anyways, let it cool, simmer. Well, I think it was just because maybe I'm sure one day I'll re reacquaint myself with it engage with it again it was just so messy busy. and so ugly to look it's at a busy busy film uh, so busy wow like what are your like actually i think this is good for the fart house just for our discussion is like what, what did you like about it i just think this is an inc- sell me on it i think this is one of the most creative movies i've ever seen it just makes me feel alive in that it totally upends the uh, medium of film. It's, it's, I mean, it's like Roger Ebert said, there is no movie like this actually. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me excited about like what movies can possibly be. I also just, I think there are so many funny ideas in it. Like this guy carries around the heart of his dead child. Roderick does. <laughs> and like, Isabella Rossellini is a beer baroness in Winnipeg. I mean, that alone is just like, I'm sold. And she she has beer glasses for legs. I mean, it's kind of like a cartoon or a fable. It feels like the Wizard of Oz or something. And it's just oh, so yeah. silly. And it doesn't take itself very seriously. But it also has it is saying things that are interesting. Yeah. So all of that, I think, is what makes me starting to is why I'm coming around on it, so to speak. Like I just, I just didn't enjoy it so much in the moment, but there is a lot of great stuff. Like one thing we haven't even mentioned is, um, so, and this was so, this was confusing too. I mean, it's this this kind of thing. Like once you find your bearings on it, it can be a little, and not, I'm okay with being this. Maybe I'm just saying the same thing in different words. I'm okay with being like confused, but it was just so ugly to look at. Just so like, I can't believe you say it's ugly. I find it beautiful. It's just like fluttering. It's just so messy and just so hard. Maybe it's because I had taken my contacts out the day before because they were hurting my eyes so bad. So maybe my eyes were still hurting from the contacts. Oh, so you had no uh, sort of prescription in your eyeballs to see things No, I was wearing my glasses. Everything was a blur? (laughs) I was wearing my glasses. I think that's the real issue here. (laughs) But the thing I was going to bring up was um, one thing that we haven't even talked about is uh, Chester, is that his name? Chester, he's the... The New Yorker guy. Chester's sort of partner is this woman named Narcissa. Yes. And Narcissa is supposedly Roderick's ex-wife or the mother of his child. But she doesn't, she pretends like she doesn't know him. She doesn't remember. She doesn't remember him. And she has a tapeworm inside of her. Yes. I wanted to talk about this. Telepathic and 
tells her what to do. What yes. To say. <laughs> Explain that to me in our audience. Well, I'll just talk about the tapeworm. This woman, Narcissa, who is now having an affair with Chester, but she was Roderick's wife. I think she remembers at the end who she is. She seems to be having some sort of amnesia. But she has a tapeworm, and she's like, my tapeworm is telling me something. It like gives her <laughs> indications on situations or like kind of tells the future. It's kind of a telepath or whatever, and it gives her... It kind of directs her. As far as tape rooms go, I remember there was this, I had a Bible teacher. I went to a small Christian college or mm-hmm. high school. It was miserable. I don't recommend it to anyone. And um, the, I remember or my senior year, we had a Bible teacher and I can't imagine he would ever, it would be actually pretty phenomenal if he, if he ever listened to this. Um, I don't know if it matters that I say his name. His name is Mr. Lyons. And he grew up, he's a, a white dude, an American dude, but he grew up in, um, I think somewhere in central Africa because his parents were missionaries, AKA imperialists. And, um, he was very famous among the student body for having had a tapeworm as a, uh, 20 year old. And he had, I guess, retained the tapeworm, uh, itself after it was pulled out of him. He kept the tapeworm all these years. And, uh, that's my story about tapeworms. It is a disgusting <laughs> idea. The idea of a tapeworm. I don't know if I want to say this on the podcast, but my youth minister, Mark Conway, he apparently had a tapeworm one time and he pulled it out of his butthole. Yeah, that's what happened with this guy too. And it filled an entire Folgers coffee can. Yeah, this is what's going on with the men, with the the, the Christians and the tapeworms. Christians, <laughs> they need to stay. They need to filter their water a little bit better. I think. <laughs> There, was, there were a few really good things about like sadness, like quotes about sadness in this movie, but there was one that was <laughs> sadness, but was sass and pizzazz. Yes. <laughs> and you I wanted like to reframe to... the narrative on sadness. <laughs> that's how I want to spin my sadness. Whenever I'm feeling down, I'm going to spin it as sadness, but sass and pizzazz. <laughs> I think the announcers say something about that too. Like, just because it's sad doesn't mean it can't have a kick <laughs> to it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's another one too. It's like happiness is just sadness turned on its ass. <laughs> What does that mean? I don't know, but it sounds good. <laughs> well, can I read you some of my favorite quotes? Yeah, I'd love to hear. Were, I like this movie was there were a lot of really good quotes in this movie. Didn't you think the performance was really good too? I thought everyone the was really funny and great. The performances were really good. And in fact, I kept thinking to myself, I was like, I wonder like how did he convince them that this was something to be a part of? Cuz like it's I mean, I guess on maybe on paper, I guess. But I was like, would would you? I wouldn't want to. If I was in this movie, I wouldn't want to stick around for the premiere. I'd be like, what the fuck was this? I want to. Oh no! (laughs) I know. I'm being a little harsh, but these are the thoughts that were running through my head when I was watching this movie. I would hope at the premiere that they had like a dunk tank full of beer. Oh, that'd be the best. Um, Okay, so one by Isabella Rossellini's character, who I love her character name, Lady Lady Helen Port Huntley. Uh, It's like such a Canadian name. Uh, (laughs) But her line is... If you're sad and like beer, I'm your lady. (laughs) And I was like, that sounds like Patrick already. That's me. And then also, when Chester Kent gets knocked unconscious by his angry brother, he goes... Give me more of that, Phils. And then he gets he passes out. <laughs> it was great. So I this is you know this, this is uh, a benefit to the podcast, to, not just to our listeners, but to each other too. Because you're <laughs> the more that we're talking about it, it's definitely you're selling me on the movie. It's because so fun. It the, is it's fun. so great. It is fun. Well, Patrick, initiate fartsy test protocol. Let's do it. 
Okay, so the Fartsy test is our test to determine the fartsiness of a movie, which is our scale that gauges how impenetrable, unapproachable, and generally artsy-fartsy a movie is. We continually add and subtract from this list. It's a living document. Okay, number one, is there suicide? Is there? I feel like there's attempted suicide. Yeah, there's suicide. Yeah, doesn't Narcissa kill herself? No, she does not. She lives. But Chester Kent stays in the burning building at the end. He allows himself to die because he's he's sad. So, yeah, there is suicide. I feel like there's, like, some other suicide stuff. There's so many, like, people... I feel like Roderick and... Oh, doesn't Fyodor kill himself? Kind of? Like, he's, like, in the attic with all the fake legs, and then he's... He drinks himself to death? Yeah, like, he kind of, like, he's in the attic, and he's like, goes on this, like, rampage, throwing around glass legs. Oh, he and then, falls, he falls he, into the pool of beer, that's that right. That felt kind of suicidal, didn't it? Also, someone is hanging themselves, a random person, and he's like, talk about sad. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that, but that's funny. Okay, are there inexplicable images that seem utterly unnecessary? Patrick, be kind, please. I love this film. Well, you know... In the spirit of this question, yes. because it's the whole aesthetic of the film, I kind of lean more towards no. Because no, there is. There's a lot of just goofball stuff. I feel like. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is. It's this question. I, I still love this question, but it is sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's a very subjective question, and it can depend on the movie that you're watching. You need to kind of apply it based only on like the logic or framework of that movie. What's a movie that we've watched where it was like, yes, a hundred percent. The one that I always go back to, and it wasn't an episode that aired, but Solaris to me was just like, oh, yeah, because the you, they would just like cut to like a three to four minute image of like an, this like lunar ocean doing shit. And it had, there's also that there's like five minutes of, uh, guy oh, driving the, the, the cab highway. driving. Yeah, the yeah. cab driving for so long. But I think it's like you're right though. This isn't that type of movie. It's not. But you're right. But there are also a lot of stuff that is just out of nowhere that is just intercut in. But it's happened so fast that sometimes it's hard to. I think this does come down towards yes, though. Okay, very good. Uh, does someone masturbate? Yes. Well, I, I, uh, Chester gets jerked off when he is talking to the. Uh, that like uh gypsy person do you remember that it's in the very it's the very no, first scene he's talking to that like psychic man and he's like he was jerking him off and no and then he gets narcissa to jerk him off oh 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 you remember that no you don't remember it's the first scene of the movie I must not have been paying attention for that very first. Okay, for this podcast, Patrick, I would appreciate it if you paid attention to the movies we're watching because I lean on you for these discussions. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember that. It's just not. There's a lot maybe of. Maybe I didn't sex. realize that's what was going on. There's a lot of sex in this movie, though, but not there's, in not like in our, not like in the realm of the senses, sex. But there, you know, people are having sex quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there topics, images, or behaviors that go beyond what would be considered acceptable in a mainstream film? I wouldn't actually say so. Mm-mm. No. Okay. Moving on. Is the movie over two hours? Can you start watching this movie after 8 p.m. without falling asleep? It's not over two hours, but like Patrick was moaning about, it is 
kind of like, where am I? Am I in a dream? Ugh, ah. And so I feel like it would be kind of tough to watch this movie without falling asleep after 8 p.m. I wouldn't start it after 6 p.m. If anything, it's a good midday okay, movie or be, early afternoon. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just helping out our 6 listeners. 6 p.m.? <laughs> I was I was dancing, I was hollering. The no, first time weren't. I watched this movie, it was a little tough, but I feel like the second time I knew what to expect and I was just You know, like, I don't think we touched what was what were the circumstances of the first time you watched this and how long ago was it? It was about a year ago. Oh, okay. Uh the first movie I saw by Guy Madden was a movie called Brand Upon the Brain, which is even more difficult than this movie. And wow. it's also on Criterion. And the lighthouse ripped it off in my opinion. And <laughs> uh, and that movie, it was very dizzying for me because I didn't know his style. But once you know his style, it's like a little bit easier to accept his movies. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I kind of knew to an extent of what to expect, you know, because I had said before of how many times I had seen the trailer for this and just knowing Guy Madden's reputation. But I think it was, I expected it to just be a little bit more um, digestible. I guess. But I feel I like him as a filmmaker because he likes to have fun. That's why I like him. Mm-hmm. No, it's definitely a fun movie. It, th- this movie is much funnier than I expected, and the performances were better than I expected. I mean, it's there's a lot of there's a lot to like here. Do you ever wish you were Canadian? I do, and I thought about that in the context of. Do you remember going back to the top of the show when we were talking about Serena P? How we both like Serena P. Remember, she's Canadian. She's Canadian, and. I thought about that. I think there's a lot of merit to being Canadian. And I think they kind of get short shrift because they're, I think people think of them, well, I don't know, maybe this is wrong, but maybe sometimes people think of them as like America light. Yeah, I think people do think about them like that. But I think of Canada as like more European, like Mm -hmm. the European Americans. And I just feel like there's so much interesting culture there. They're much more progressive and Mm -hmm. they care about the arts more. And I don't know, I just... It's like, it's so cool. I wish, I kind of wish I lived in Canada. Yeah. Trisha would never move to Canada, my wife. Because of the cold? Because she hates the cold. Is that the only reason? Yeah. Because with global and, warming, it's probably, it's probably going to be Death Valley in Canada pretty oh soon. Oh, God. Well, Trisha was like, Los Angeles is basically Arizona now. And mm-hmm. I hated that she said that, Patrick. But it was true. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, but California still got the coast. I just love Canada and I want to spend more time there. I'd love to do a Canadian road trip. Would love Canada. to do that. Let's plan that. Or maybe we could just go to Winnipeg. What if we just took a trip to Winnipeg? That seems a little bit more easier. If we ever, you know, I uh, the the White Stripes did a Canadian tour. I think it's like under the Northern Lights. Under or the Great like Northern that. Lights, yeah, yeah. And kind of a fun documentary if you've ever seen that. Uh, I have. It's great. They they perform like way north in Canada, uh, like Inuit territory, and. It would be cool if our podcast got big enough to do a Canadian tour, dude. That would be tight. I would love that. That'd I think be we sick. Should, I, <laughs> I think we should plan the Winnipeg live show, even if it's just you Winnipeg and me. Winnipeg live show. We know two people. In front of we know Jen three and Joel. people who live there. <laughs> uh, okay. Where am I? Oh, we're recording Fart House. Okay, so, <laughs> Patrick. Yeah, sorry. Does it feel as if the filmmaker is intentionally trying to torture the audience? I don't think so. No. I think he's a, no, don't you fucking dare. No, I don't think that's what he's trying to do. I think inadvertently it's a side effect of his style. 
I don't like that answer, but we'll move on. <laughs> I don't okay. think he's not trying to torture the audience, but it, to me, honestly, it, it felt torturous at times watching the movie. Ooh, this is our big. This is a bigger argument than my dinner with Andre. You know, the I irony like is is that I like this movie more than my dinner with Andre. If you didn't, I would have. I would have been. Peed. You gave five stars to my dinner with Andre too. Mm, I might take that one down. <laughs> I like that movie, but I, I five stars. I don't know about that. Okay, is there an inordinate amount of milling about? I don't think so. You're you're nodding your head. What? Because I feel like Chester and Narcissa are just walking around town the whole movie or half the movie. I'd love to break a glass beer leg over your fucking head. <laughs> you don't think Chester and Narcissa are walking around? Just because around they're like, walking, I don't. Th- this isn't like this isn't like before sunset. I think there's way more going on in the conversation and before sunset than in between Narcissa and Chester. Oh, you're okay. <laughs> and Roderick and Fyodor to... just kind of. Roderick's like on a train for some indeterminate amount of time. It's like not clear who he is, where he's going. And there's just like, uh. I love Roderick, the, the sad cellist. I loved before Roderick was about to perform his piece. He's like, I'm sorry, but my ears are quite sensitive. Some of you in the first few rows are swallowing too loudly. And you, sir, could you please refrain from breathing through your nose like that? And there's a woman in a straw hat whose stomach is growling. Now, what is that stink? Is this a hog barn or a concert hall? We got to keep moving here, Patrick. Would you rather read 10 pages of David Foster Wallace, a.k.a. Infinite Jest, than watch this movie? Don't you fucking dare. Look on (laughs) his fucking face right now. If you had asked me that question last night... (gasps) You would have said... Infinite jest. I might have said infinite jest, <laughs> but but you've mi- you've helped me see the light. <laughs> he says this now, and then he goes on Letterbox and he gives this movie half a star. <laughs> that would be really fun. Would you call me out? <laughs> I'd have to. For all the fart heads out there, I'd have to hold your feet to the flame, my friend. <sighs> I'm, I'm all sorry. Oh, Patrick, what I, I we kind of forgot to ask this last time, but what I we for, I completely forgot to ask this with Doyle. Oh what yeah, pret- what pretentious thing can you say about this movie? Mm, I kind of already said it before, but I think this movie you could say it's a parable for um, the American I don't know if parable is the right word, but maybe um, what's another yeah. word for parable or for the unrelenting, unremitting. Uh, March of American imperialism towards world domination. I think this definitely says something about capitalism and the taking a uh, corporations taking advantage of uh, the poor by way of advertising and manipulation. Because mm-hmm. the whole reason they're holding this contest is to get people to buy beer, mm-hmm. like the poor people. That's to a buy really beer. good point. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, because and even um, fuck, what is her name? What is the Baroness's name? Port Huntley. Yes, Lady Port Huntley. I she even. That. I just love being a beer Baroness. It's just like Lady <laughs> Helen Port Huntley. I mean, what a I just great think of her name. as the beer Baroness. <laughs> um, but she even kind of like verbalizes that she kind of like explicitly articulates that's kind of a goal of like because there's a brief scene where she's kind of with her board of directors or with other like upper management at this yes you know brewery and 
she's basically saying, you know, prohibition is about to end. And, you know, when people want to get beer, they're going to want to get beer and it's going to come at the expense of everything else. No matter what their economic situation is, they're going to want to get beer. And yeah, so be, that was she like, says something like over paint, like over food and over family pay, or something or family. People will be running, not walking <laughs> to get beer. Yeah. And we need to get ahead of this because we are not under prohibition. Like, And that's actually US kind of a... See, here's another thing that's to me, is smart about this movie. It's smart that the way that... That's kind of like a pretty overt declaration of like the thesis of the movie. But it's also not super heavy-handed. And it's kind of early enough in the film that you... It, it like plants the seed in your in your brain. And then it, but it doesn't keep hitting you over the head with that message. But then you kind of like... It permeates the movie like in the behaviors of characters and as the story goes along there's even shots in the movie where it's like uh a really sad song is playing and people are like throwing money at the cashiers to get (laughs) beer and it's like cha-ching cha-ching you know right and you know going back to what we said too about how like chester as the american uh representative in the contest he keeps offering all the different acts like you know we'll pay you this amount of money if you drop out and join us and that that way you don't go home with nothing well not just that he says because he has no money he's like we'll pay you when we win this thing it's like it's oh, like yeah, credit like it, it's yeah. like not even real money it's like <laughs> yeah, in the future we'll have very money american we'll, <laughs> yes um so patrick we have to calculate this because we are film scientists. What score do you give this? This might be my highest. I'm gonna, I, 9.3. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's insane. I don't think so. I think you show this to someone. I think they're they're out. They're tapping out after five minutes. <sighs> what did you say? 9.3? Yeah. Because I think if you show someone, you know, we, I think he, we all gave pretty high scores to, in the realm of the senses. To a lot of our farthouse erotica stuff, we gave pretty hard high scores. But those, I feel like you don't, like this movie, you're just like, all right, I'm out. Like after just like a few minutes, you're like, this is so tough to watch. Did Trisha watch this with you? She said she's... I said, do you want to watch this with me, Trisha? I've seen it before. I'd like you to watch this with me. And she's like, no, I've seen it before. But I think she was lying. I don't think she's actually seen this We need before. to bring her on a griller. <laughs> Although, uh, it's, I didn't remember certain scenes of the movie, so I guess I could be mistaken for not watching it either. I remember the first scene in the movie. <laughs> I'm, I think you were dunked in a pool of beer before you watched this, Patrick. What's okay, your score? so our, our score is 8.25. Oh, you didn't say yours. Oh, I said 7.2. Oh my God, you're out of your mind. How can you rate this lower than Crash or The Cook or In the Realm of the Senses? <laughs> I'm outraged. I'm not answering those questions. This you're is a over. take machine. You're a take machine. I'm a take machine. <laughs> Hot takes aplenty. God. Uh, Patrick, can I have a guess at what your drink pairing is going to be? If you say something weird, I'm going to be mad too. You're making me mad. Okay. <laughs> What's your drink pairing? Well, do you want to guess first? Is it beer? No. It's not beer? Why isn't it beer? This movie is about beer. Because I feel like you get annoyed when I do simple ones. No, I like the simple ones. Oh, you ones. like the simple. Oh, okay. 
Well, this one's not, it's not crazy. I did, um, so I wanted to do like a, a Prohibition era cocktail. Oh, okay. That's fine. Yeah. Like that. So I did the first cocktail that I ever had at the Varnish. Uh, Man, the varnish. The varnish was is like a speakeasy in L.A. behind Cole's French Dip. And we could be wrong on this, but I think it was kind of at the vanguard of the craft cocktail revival, the speakeasy revival. I, don't, I wonder if it actually was or if it was just in our lives. Probably in the, our lives. The vanguard. It, definitely New York and London were ahead of Los Angeles, but it might have been the first in the LA area, maybe. Yeah, because I think the blind barber was after that, but there's a lot of speakeasies that opened up after that, but this was like a real this high This 2010. 2009, 2010. No, 2010. It was Patrick. That was over ten years ago. I'm yeah. gonna be sick to my stomach. Uh, but it was like this really high class speakeasy cocktail bar mm-hmm. that this door in the back of this restaurant it opened, it unlocked at 8 p.m. It mm-hmm. was it wouldn't open, but it was like this random door in the back was unlocked. Yeah, a host would come out and. I don't even think a host would come out. You'd have to open the. You'd have to go up to the door to see if it was. That's unlocked. true. That's true. Yeah, uh, that's right. You'd have to go. Anyways, up and, see, and if it was unlocked, you could go in and put your name in. And anyways, I'm pretty sure the first cocktail that they made me there uh, was something called a Ward Eight. Hmm. And a Ward Eight is a really delicious cocktail. Um, it's pretty um, accessible, no matter what your kind of drink preferences are, because it's pretty. It's kind of on the sweeter side. It's um, bourbon lemon juice, orange juice, and grenadine. And it sounds almost like a drink that's like too heavy in terms of all that sort of other stuff, but it's relatively well balanced. It's definitely on the sweeter side. It's not for everyone, but um, if you're if you're not into spirits or cocktails, it's actually a very good introductory cocktail, which is probably mm. why they made that for me. They could tell I was a rube. <laughs> tell you're a rube. Some... <laughs> We're not going to get him a Sazerac, get him the sweetest, juiciest, get him the Cosmo of the Varnish. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Ward 8, Prohibition Era, very easy cocktail to make Nice, at home. nice. You know. Very good, Patrick. I've, I've turned around on your, yeah. <laughs> yeah. On your, uh, your choice there. Although, also, uh, you know, a big glass of beer, uh, I think, would be just fine with this movie, too. Preferably something on the... Lighter end of the spectrum, lager. Yeah. A Miller High Life, for example. A Miller High Life. Labatt Blue, Grain Belt. What do sure. we have on hand? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, Patrick. Notes for future episodes. We give each other notes to improve the podcast going forward. We just want to keep improving every episode. Patrick, oh, what note to give you? <laughs> I could say be more open-minded with our film choices, but I was going to... What I was going to say was you were so upset that you didn't get an actual 40 ounce of beer. I was so upset. He was so mad about it to a point where I was like, who cares? (laughs) And I actually did get a 40 ounce, uh, an actual 40 that Brady, our sponsor, prescribed. And Patrick was really green with envy and was like sending me texts like, fuck! And... You know, cool out, man. Because I was like, it was it was a busy, stressful day at work, and I had time in between meetings, and I walked to the liquor store, and I thought they would have the 40, and they just had the 32 ounce, and I was just like, god damn it. And then, so I was like Googling on my walk back. I was like, do they make 40s anymore? 
So they didn't have any. They didn't have any forties there. No, no forties. No matter what the brand, everything it was thirty-two ounces, twenty-four ounces, and then you know your usual six pack. Was this a high-end liquor store or just kind of a neighborhood liquor store? Neighborhood place, California liquor. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, I'm surprised a little bit. I know. I was surprised too. So that was kind of a bummer. I mean, I feel like I've seen, like. I kind of knew 40s had to exist, but I was like, "This, how does this play? Like, it's your standard, like, kind of trashy Why even make shop. a 32 ounce? Because the 40 is like a classic, you know? I don't know. I guess for, to curb the alcohol habits of folks, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's much curbing between 32 and 40 <laughs> no, ounces. I don't think there is. But Patrick, do you have any notes for me? I can take um, the only note I have for you is it's okay if I don't love the movie as much as you do. <laughs> Patrick, I will accept this because I was a little harsh, maybe, because I love this movie so much, and you didn't. And, and I do, and I understand where you're coming from, because if there was a movie, I wonder what the movie, I'm getting off topic, but I wonder what the movie we disagree on the most is. You know what? I don't know. Well, I mean, this one for now. We'll come up with one, though, where I think we're really going to go in opposite opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, Patrick, you know, I'm a scientist. I'm a film scientist, and I think I let my emotions get in the way of the data. (laughs) And that's my fault. And you're right. So I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm really sorry. No Uh, apologies necessary. Patrick... What is the what movie are we talking about next week? Next week we are doing so a filmmaker we both love, uh, Lynn Ramsey. You know I had her booked on the podcast Switchblade Sisters. You did the day before or like hours before the interview was supposed to happen. The publicist was like, "Oh, she can't do it." Oh, that, that sucks. Oh, what a bummer. Anyways, Lynn Ramsey, she's awesome. She's Scottish. A lot of scotch heads out there, um, of which there may or may not be many. Um, we're going to do, I think it's her third film. It's We Need to Talk About Kevin. Hey! And it's a very, very dark film. Her mo- her movies are very dark. Yeah. They tend to be very um, depressive, violent. Mm-hmm. They touch on a lot of um, taboos, sort of themes and issues oh, yeah. um so yeah we need to talk about kevin it's with tilda swinton um oh you know who i think will be interested in this episode are a lot of the ezra miller heads ezra miller has a huge is that his name ezra it's ezra yeah. miller right yeah he has a huge fan base isn't ezra he miller. problematic wasn't he canceled he might have been canceled uh maybe he's in the jane he lynch a huge following yeah i think because he's um uh, I think he's non. I think he came out as non-binary. We'll uh, do more research before next week's we'll episode. But uh, yeah, okay. If any Ezra heads, he plays a Flash too. Plays the Flash. There's Tilda Swinton, and then who? Who's the? Is John C. Riley in this? John C. Riley, yeah. John C. Riley also in this. Ooh, I'm excited to watch this because I haven't seen this movie in a long time. I haven't seen it since it came out. This, yeah, I saw it in theaters. Me too. So I'm excited to watch this. You know, it's funny. My friend Kevin Ferguson, he tweets about how everyone makes because Ke- the name Kevin is kind of like the Karen of men, mm, like. Mm-hmm. 
there's a new show coming out called Kevin Can Fuck Himself with <laughs> um with uh Annie Murphy from Shits Creek. She plays Alexis on Shits Creek. She has a new show called Kevin Can Fuck Himself. <laughs> you know, we need to talk about Kevin. There was the sitcom Kevin Can Wait. <laughs> So, what does your dad think about this backlash against Kevin? I, I want to shelter him from these issues. Mm. I don't want him hashtag not all Kevin's. Not all Kevin's. That's correct. <laughs> uh, I'm really excited to talk about this one. I think we have a lot to dig into. Lynn Ramsey is great. She's. I haven't seen her newest movie. Maybe I'll watch it in prep for this film. Uh, the uh, one with Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. Oh, it's very good. Oh, it is. Okay, good. Yeah, it's on it's my awesome. list. Now, Patrick, when you say, now, when I say, like, it's on my list, I actually have a system for going through my list. Oh, I'm so glad list. we're touching on this. Okay, go ahead. Do you have, do you, when it's on your, when you say, like, oh, that's on my list, my mm-hmm. watch list, do you have a system that is actively getting through that list? Or when you say it's on my list, is it basically like I threw that into space and it may or may not come back? So a few years ago, that would have been, it was into space and it may not, may or may not have come back. Me too. But now it is concretely shortly after someone mentions something, I will add for TV shows. It's more tricky uh, because I do have an this app is a for movie tracking. Podcast. To, do yeah. not bring t- television okay. into this. <laughs> for movies. Yeah. The letterbox watch list has served, served me very well. The, I don't have a methodical way of going through it. Typically what I do is <laughs> I'll go to my watch list and then I'll sort it by <laughs> shortest to longest. <laughs> that is a feature. You can sort it from shortest to longest. Yeah, and that's typically what I'll do. I'll do something that's on the shorter end that that kind of just appeals to me. How do you decide what you're like watch list wise? So I love Doyle's I used, recommendation. I used to have. I will not do Doyle's recommendation. That's too chaotic for me. Her <laughs> random, but it's but it's, it's it's ordered but chaotic. Yeah, I I don't care for that. So basically, <laughs> I have a watch list and. I assume so I have my wife Trish and I watch a lot of movies together and uh, my watch list is my own thing because mm-hmm. Trish and I only really watch fun movies together if if I'm going to watch a movie I'll be like oh do you want to watch this and Trish will be like is it depressing and I'll be like yes and <laughs> she'll say I'm okay like with Nomadland I watched that of myself so I have a system because I have like one night a week where Trish is in class and that's kind of my Casey movie. That's your Wednesday night, right? That's my Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. And whatever is last on my watch list, which means the one that's been on my watch list the longest, Mm. I watch that movie. So this Wednesday, I'm going to watch Irma Vep, which (gasps) is the one on there. Clay Keller would be so proud. But... I do every other week. So mm. like this Wednesday, I'm going to watch Irma Vep. But next Wednesday, I get to choose. And what? And on my That's watch so list. That's so cool. I love this. And on my watch list right now, I really want to be good about watching what was the be- what were the best movies from 2020. Because now it's like kind of the Oscars time. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of the movies that are like on the best of list are not actually going to get nominated for Oscars. But now is kind of the time you get caught up. So. Right. Uh, I just watched Nomadland, like I said, which is like on a lot of top 10 movies. And then next week, I'm going to watch Eliza Hittman's Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. I want to see that. That's in my watch list. 
So that's my system, but I am actually like act. I actively move through it. That's a great system. Mine is uh, mine is so chaotic. Like for me, it's just like th- there's no rhyme or reason. There's no governance to how I. <laughs> there's no governance. <laughs> there's no, it's anarchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, but here's my problem with it. Like I have to be like, this is my art house movie. This is my intense movie time mm. because if. At the end of the day, and I'm like, hmm, what should I watch tonight? I will always choose the dumbest thing, mm-hmm. like reality television or a zombie movie. Yeah. I will never pick Nomadland. Right. You know? So <laughs> right. I will. I have to be like, what I, I'm watching my watch list movie tonight. You know what I mean? I have to be like in that mindset. And I enjoy watching those movies, but I ha- there is an element of me forcing myself to watch yeah. those movies. I think I, I kind of have noticed a subtle pattern in myself and I know we need to wrap up but I've noticed a subtle pattern in myself on like Sunday Sunday afternoons I've kind of carved out as a time where I nice. do kind of my homeworky not, and not homeworky in the no, but, sense, it, they, but like, they are kind of that way you do have to you can't just be like oh I'll watch that sometime because when push comes to sub, shove you're not going to you need to think about it as something like exercising in a yeah. way do you think about like what movies you won't watch before you die on your watch list? <laughs> on the next fart house. <laughs> I guess I just I thought think, I'd see all the movies. <laughs> these 40s are really getting, to, or in my case, the 32 ounce. Yeah, you're 44. Okay, Patrick, we got to wrap this up. I think all this right. was a great, co- I'd love to retouch upon the watch list. Maybe Me that too. can be an ongoing segment we come to the watch list. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's accountability for us. That would actually be kind of fun. Oh, hey, I like that. Yeah. So like I said, I got to watch Irma Vep by the next time we talk. I'm going right? to hold you accountable. I'm going to ask you about it. Okay, sounds good. So, if you want to follow Fart House Podcast on Twitter, you can follow us at, at Fart House Pod. Our trusty social media manager, Brad, is running those accounts, uh, I guess. Uh, Instagram, Fart House Podcast. If you want to follow Patrick on Twitter, it's at Patrick R. Mallon. On Instagram, he's at PR Mallon. On Letterboxd, he is at PR Mallon. And if you want to sponsor a show, $10 to sponsor, $25 to sponsor, and prescribe us a drink, Venmo Patrick at Patrick Dash Mallon. I am Casey, o- Casey Leo Bryan on all services. You can see my watch list if you follow me on Letterboxd. Um, leave us a five-star review and tell me a nickname you want me to call Patrick. Nothing gross or racist or horrible. I won't say those things. So that's it. Patrick, this was a really fun one. I had a good time screaming at you. Me too. I had a blast. It was really fun. And, you know, for what it's worth, uh, I really appreciate, you know, these it's the, one of the great functions of our show is it gets us to talk about a movie that in a more in-depth way and so it's not just like well I didn't like it I liked it and then it helps me understand like what I might have what missed so or like wrong what's about. redeeming what <laughs> I was wrong about it yeah <laughs> that's what I liked yeah. alright Patrick this was right. great a wonderful time two recordings in one week what a treat I know uh, alright this is the cinephile the 40 it's hitting me <laughs> the cinephile cuties signing off bye patas 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 <laughs>